Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. I got a hell of a show for you today. You've heard me talk about him. You've heard me talk about his companies. Uh, Bear Houghton of Motorcycle Sherpa, Old Bike Barn, White Knuckler Brand, and a new company called Content Ecosystems. Is on the show today, we talk about, man, how COVID affected the travel industry. I mean, how it really just decimated the, you know, the momentum that his company had gained uh, back in 2019. And he's just on here today to set the record straight because he's back. And the, the trips are being booked. We are going on our first trip November 1st through the 13th. That's right. Not far away. We will be in Nepal. Uh, dude, some great people are going to be in this trip. My friend Randall Wiley. Around the world. Doug might even show up. Victor Hugis of the AMCA. Uh, Darren McKeague, an artist that I have admired for years, and I've used him with MC Shop Tees. And, uh, and Bobby Seeger of Indian Larry Motorcycles. Uh, Bare Knuckle Paul. Bear himself. Booty Singh. It's going to be a fucking great trip. And what you need to do right now is you need to get a group of friends, get together, sign up, and, you know, make your dreams come true. Don't wait around. This isn't a bucket list thing. Go sign up now, as you'll hear us talk about. He is going to be doing a, uh, what is it, a live watch party for a movie that he put together uh, back in 2019 on November 18th. The link will be available at MotorcycleSherpa.com. But let's get into it. All right. Thank you, Zach from Heavy. Check out Heavy Clothing at BigCartel.com. Uh, that was Extermination Day out of Minneapolis with Thou Shall Not Hassle. Uh, man, I want to thank everybody that came out to the Southern Throwdown this weekend. Man, I didn't think I was going to be able to go. I really had just did it just kind of just worked out that way, which was awesome. And the weather was perfect. The riding was great. I broke both bikes. We had an awesome kickstart competition. Uh, did some laps around the track. I even sat passenger in a sidecar as Brooks took me around the track. It was uh, good fun. Lulu and the Black Sheep killed it. And Rob Linus came out and fucking murdered it. Dude, Rob, he's uh, he's played a couple years up in Tennessee at the Motorcycle Music Revival at Loretta Lynn's Ranch. And, dude, I met him a couple times. We got mutual friends. But I never saw him play. And... Dude, he fucking, he just killed it. I mean, it was southern rock and roll with some country twang, and it was fucking beautiful to see him at the Yellow Rose Canyon. So I want to thank everybody that made that possible. If you weren't in Texas, hopefully you were in Virginia City at the Virginia City Roundup. <clears throat> Dude, fucking, I think they said 45 dudes rode to the fucking event on choppers and then rode a bull. That's fucking wild. They even played bull poker, uh, the fucking dead man dragon game. I mean, looked like they had a great time. The invited builders' bikes were fucking sick, dude. So beautiful. Um, 
one that sticks out is Yaniv with the, uh, an FXR that he put a Springer on with a bunch of chrome pieces, and it's just fucking bad. It's the perfect blend of Chopper and FXR. Uh, it was really sick to see. I'm stoked that we will be featuring Power Plant with MC Shop Tees in the coming months. So go to mcshoptees.com right now and sign up so you do not miss another T-shirt. That's right. Every month we feature a different shop from around, really around the world at this point, and do a one-off limited shirt that's only available through MC Shop Tees. It shows up in your door each month. You can buy a three, six, or 12-month package or just sign up to pay month to month and cancel at any moment. You know, you're not held. You don't have to stick around for any amount of time. It's a, dude, it's a sweet thing. Each t-shirt comes with a postcard that also tells you about the shops, what they specialize in, and how you can get a hold of them. So it's a great way to learn about new shops and kind of put some pins on your map as you travel around this country places to go, people to see, familiar faces, uh, you know, things that will tie you together. It's a beautiful thing. And then when you see somebody else at an event wearing a shirt that you've got, there's only one way he got it, and it was through MC Shop Tees. So, and not only he, we've got girl sizes and we've got kid sizes. So sign up now. Well, the only way you're going to get next month's T-shirt, which I've got Daniel Sheridan designing right now for easy company at a Worcester Mass is if you sign up before the end of this month and you only got a couple days left. So go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now, dude. Um, yeah, that's badass. What was this month's feature? Oh, this month's feature shop was Giveaway Clay. Dude, Clay's parts out of Indiana. Fuck, I can't wait to see Clay again. Hopefully Clay will be coming down for Born Free Texas, which is coming up in October. Uh, speaking of events, September 10th, party at the pen, dude. Luke from Chop Merchandise is bringing 150 vintage choppers to display at a 150-year-old penitentiary. You do not want to miss this show. Check at check out Party at the Pen on the Gram for more information to buy your tickets. There's going to be music. There's going to be tattoos. There's going to be bikes. It's going to be a good time, so check it out. September and then October, Born Free Texas at Yellow Rose Canyon. <clears throat> There's going to be racing, camping, uh, now there is now if you've been paying attention, they're they're not going to let us enter the facility Friday. the The show starts Saturday. You can camp at Yellow Rose Canyon Saturday night, but you will not be able to camp at the facility Friday night. I know it sounds crazy, right? I think so too. It's fucking bonkers. But I am working on a spot. I believe I have one secured down the street. I'm going to figure out all the logistics. It's only like five six miles away, and uh, dude, don't. Don't hesitate to show up Friday night. We will have a place for you to camp. And then you can go to the party Saturday, camp out Sunday, or camp out Saturday night and enjoy the show on Sunday. It's going to be in, they're inviting all the invited builders of the past. Um, there's going to be some rad music. I got fucking, I heard a rumor that Mothership is going to fucking play, which will be sick. Uh, it's, dude, it's going to be awesome. So Yellow Rose Canyon, it's a great facility. October is a great time in Texas. So this better be on your fucking radar, dude. I mean, you, you're, I know you're planning a fall ride when the weather fucking, when the temperatures drop. So this ought to be it. Yellow Rose Canyon, October 20th, 21st, and 22nd, I believe. Shit, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, dude, um, 
you know, and if you have too many T-shirts, you want to support the podcast, you've, uh, you're over MC Shop Tees because I filled you up. Well, throw some fucking shirts away, dude. Use them as shop rags. I know you got some shit in your shop that needs cleaning. Uh, but you can also just go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and sign up to become a Patreon contributor. Five bucks a month. Dude, it helps me put gas in my tank. Uh, keep the mate. The fuck. What a, like on my chopper this weekend? I broke the front. What is it? The front lifter adjuster screw. Right, right at the jam nut. You know, given it's got some miles on it, and that's the one push rod that's like it's like the extended the longest. It's the weirdest angle. Um, simple part, but I gotta buy that shit. You know, I gotta buy another one. I'm not gonna. You know, actually, I did, I did call up Kickstart, Mike. I'm like, surely you got one laying around. But things like that, dude. Five bucks a month, that'll cover that piece when I find it on eBay and get that bike back on the road. So, and it goes a long way. And it also gives you a chance at winning a $100 gift card to Low Brow Customs. That's right. $100 to Low Brow Customs. I saw Booger this weekend. Booger recently won a $100 gift card. He was rocking a fucking... Well, he's rocking one of my MC Shop T-shirts, but he had a fucking koozie. He got a gas cap. He got all sorts of shit with that $100, and he was fucking stoked. So I want you to be stoked, too. Uh, go to Danger Dance Talk Shop and sign up now, man. We've given away knives made by Nick, dude. We've given away. I gave away a race bike, a shovelhead motor, and we gave away a trip to Nepal thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. And we might have another trip in the works to give away. Yeah, we do. We do. I, I'm going to I want to confirm all the details before I break this to you, but um, somebody else is going to win a trip thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. So... Uh, speaking of motorcycle Sherpa, let's get into this podcast with Bear Hot. Right now, Bear, how you doing today? I am good, brother, man. It, uh, it's real good to hear your voice. Um, you know, we've managed to keep up um, here and there through COVID, but I've been uh, wanting to offer you a sincere thank you for all the promotion you did for Motorcycle Sherpa through COVID. Um, definitely a, a tumultuous time for uh, a travel-based business. And, um, you know, it seemed no matter what we did, um, it, it was hard to, to please anybody with all the restrictions and rules and laws and, and whatnot. Um, and we had gained so much momentum just before COVID hit and, you know, lots of A-listers and, and lots of friends supporting. And, you know, my vision to create a, a world-class travel experience was, was really starting to feel something, you know, like tangible and real. And all the feedback we were getting from everybody was just kind of off the hook. And then along comes COVID and it, uh, it really put a damper on things for a while, but I was impressed that you were, inspired enough by it to just beat that drum about what we did over there together for for the entirety of covid um and then ultimately cumulate that in the giveaway that uh with the winner uh, casey um coming on our next trip now uh, november 1st to 13th we're back in the saddle proper and uh we're already booking trips through 23 so well hey Barry, I mean, it was uh, not guess- it was not difficult you know like that trip left a lasting mark and 
you know, that stoke is, it's, it's survived with me through COVID easy, you know, like, uh, you know, it just, that's, it's easy to talk about and it comes up so often on the podcast when I talk about, you know, even the way that I travel across the country now, it just changed, dude, it changed a deep part of me in the way that I view uh, the time spent away from my family, uh, the time spent on a motorcycle, uh, exploring places and, I can't thank you enough for letting me be a small part of this operation. You know, the timing, God, well, the timing was just fucking terrible for, for lots of things. Uh, not to mention a, a travel company, you know, like uh, that was a hard blow to take. And, you know, to see you not give up on it and just say, fuck it, is awesome, you know. You push through and, dude, it's, it's, it's coming back. People are fucking excited about, you know, leaving and going places and... I haven't noticed it as, like, when I was in Columbia, Bear, it was, it was wild to see how many people from Europe and the Netherlands and Israel and, uh, you know, just, just places all over the other side of the planet were coming over to this side of the planet to travel. So, you know, I can tell, and I know that Americans are, you know, we're itching for it too. So I can't wait to see this thing you know, get that momentum behind it again. And I'm so looking forward to going back, man. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've had a few people that have done the same trip with me twice. And um, it's quite an experience uh, when you get to do it a second time. So, like, uh, Michael Lichter did Nepal twice with me. And the first time was kind of, you know, by the second time, he, you know, had already learned part of the route and was showing other people stuff. And, like, I just for me, it's all about the people. So, you know, out of the gate, I think it's always important that I tell people this is a passion project. Um, you know, it's, it's not, not how I'm trying to make my bread and butter. Ultimately it is business and it has to stay solvent. Um, but you know, I was just pleased to be in a position in my career where I could start this thing and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to make big money out of the gate or something because my heart's in it no matter what. And I, I intend to carry on and, and fulfill the mission and I think you're one of my favorite people to talk to about it, actually, because your view, your lens on it, as a guy that didn't like organized trips, probably wouldn't have went on one. And the, the conversations we've had since then where you told me it, it changed what you thought about that type of travel, of going somewhere, somewhere and renting a motorcycle or being part of a group. And it was so rewarding for me to hear that from a naysayer, maybe even yeah. someone that probably wouldn't have ventured there. But then once you did, and see what our product is. And I think that that's the thing that it's hard for me to impart on people the most is this is not your average motorcycle tour. Um, I wanted to put the adventure back in adventure travel, so to speak, because I've seen far too many things where there's websites that are guys that are just, you know, glorified travel agents taking your money and, and selling you to some contractor on the other side of the world that they've never met. And so for me, you know, being handlebar to handlebar with, the customer is is part of that experience that that might me and my team are part of what this is about but then also like the fact that we do a few things quite a bit differently like i've seen tours where you know there's guys that are they've got a flag on the front bike in the front they got a flag on the bike in the back and all the riders have to stay within visual distance of of the leader and the tail gunner and i think it's dangerous if you make guys ride above their their comfort zone or if you make fast guys ride slow, I think they're equally dangerous. I know if you try to make me slow down and I'm, I'm used to picking my line my way, it's, it's just not as good a time. So a lot of what we do is 
there's only one road in and one road out where we're going often. And when I get to those points, you know, I make sure of, of taking a moment, pulling everybody over and, and making it clear that, hey, you can spread out as much as you want. There's only two rules. Don't pass the leader and don't get behind the tail gunner. And then, you know, if we spread out, we're as much as two hours apart sometimes from tip to tail. But that means the guy who's 71 and wants to stop every five minutes and take pictures um, or has to pee. <laughs> um, and the, or the guy that wants to stand on his pegs and root roost like Pat Patterson and, 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 and fly through the entire trip, um, you know, in, enjoying taking in the sights, but also just getting after it. Um, we offer that same experience on the same trip for both guys. And I think that that's part of what makes our trips different. And then, you know, to, to talk, I don't want to be on a, just pitching the whole idea here, but I just feel like what we do is just quite a bit different than other uh, adventure travel companies. And one of the big things that I, I I'm pride ourselves on is, um, not packing the bikes. Um, so you don't have to carry your equipment, your gear, your clothing, all that stuff on the bikes, having that chase vehicle, um, or advance party. Um, you know, you turn your duffel bag in or your roll away in every morning and get it back every night really allows you to be on the bike in a different way than worry about leaving, leaving a, a trail of gear behind you. It's also oh, easier my team to not be picking up after everybody because they don't know how to pack a motorcycle. <laughs> well, and it's funny he's talking about Pat Patterson out roosting. Like you have the option of, you know, getting off the bike every five minutes and peeing or, or you know, being on it and fucking staying right behind the guy up front. But it was cool to see, like, as the trip went on, like, the, it would change. You know, some people that would take their time one day were right up front the next day, or the, somebody that was right up front one day is taking their time the next day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just the way that that, the way you have it set up, it, it, it really worked, and it didn't feel like it was, you know, I always thought that, uh, you know, going with a group, with a planned route would kind of take away from the adventure, but it, it really, now that I've been traveling through these, third world countries on my own really what i've seen that your trip did it like takes all the anxiety out of being someplace foreign <clears throat> without any like landlines to get you know there's no like where i've been there's no all right shit hit the fan and you know like there's no i'm constantly thinking about where i'm going to eat or where i'm going to land that night what i'm going to eat like there's all these little things uh that I just didn't have to worry about over there. So I was able to really take in the sights and enjoy the experiences and like, you know, dig my teeth into the, uh, what do you call it? The culture over there, which was, it was just awesome. And, you know, to travel that far away and then be, you know, be so preoccupied with where we're going to stay or what we're going to eat that you miss out on some of the other things. It just seems like an ineffective way to go over there, you know, an ineffective use of time. So, like, yeah, you're right. It it changed it changed the way I I uh, view traveling. <clears throat> so, thank well, you, thank you for that. Right, oh, right back at you, dude. The feedback uh, from you, especially, has been absolutely wonderful. Um, but you know, we we set out to fix all the pinch points that people have experience, right? So, another point that I think you may have noticed along the way is that we have two chase riders on running bikes. So, if your bike breaks down, you get a flat tire. You know, something something happens to your motorcycle to render it inoperable. Like someone's going to hand up, roll up, and hand you a running motorcycle so you can carry on down the road. Whereas when you're traveling solo, so for example, you're planning your own trip, you go to Nepal, you rent a motorcycle, and on the first day you get a flat tire or have some kind of an engine failure. 
um, you may be stuck in some little town in the middle of nowhere for two, three days trying to sort that out and burned up half your trip. And we've taken that risk factor out by having those two chase riders, you know, that's going to hand off a, a, a bike. I mean, we had a guy rip a foot peg off um, on a rock and, you know, 10 minutes later, one of my guys in the tail was on, on him, handing him the bike and that guy caught up with us the next day, but he had to spend the afternoon finding a welding shop, getting that sorted out and so on. So I think that that's another uh, piece of it is that it, I looked at it through the lens of what would I want in an, in, a, in an adventure travel company and what would I want in terms of keeping that freedom and that looseness component in there, but then also removing all the, all the, the, the insecurities, anxieties, and, and pinch points. So we've done, we've done a lot of work to just look at it through that lens to, to keep the maximum amount of adventure, but then also, you know, make it as, as effortless as possible. So that's the other reason we don't carry gear on the bikes. You know, when you've got a pack of, you know, eight to 12 or even 16 people on a trip, there's always that one guy that, you know, is not respectful of other people's time. Doesn't, you know, clue in that everyone else's bike is packed and they're sitting on them and he's going to take another 20 minutes to, to pack his motorcycle right and, and feel fine about that. Meanwhile, that's creating tension within the group and, you know, eventually that lets out somewhere. So by not having the extra stress of packing the motorcycles and everybody being instructed, all right, this time tomorrow, you drop your bag off, my guy strap it to the roof of the Land Rover and away we go. I think it really changes and helps with the group dynamics because there's less, there's less friction on waiting on people. Yeah. And then, you know, every trip, I got to say, it's probably by day two or three, if it's not day five, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, today's the day. And I got to give the speech today. And that's when I come out in the morning, I'm like, all right, we're all here to have fun, right? Today's the day that Paul punches John in the face. So everybody try and remember you're out of your element. Your, your nerves might be a little more afraid. You're cold, you're wet, you're tired. There's a lot going on, but the only way we get through this is by developing teamwork and working together. And Hey, if someone's pissing you off, there's 10 other people here to talk to stay away from them, man. Like it's that easy. Yeah. And you know, everybody chuckles, but sure enough that evening at dinner, someone comes over to me and, tugs on my elbow and says, man, I'm really glad you said that this morning. I was going to punch John in the face. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, there's a, one thing I've noticed with traveling like lately, really ever since ever. So when I went to Nepal, that was the end of 2019. Uh, Ever since then, I've been going out of my way to kind of curate group trips, you know, just to travel with other people because it was, you know, I just enjoyed that part of the experience so much. And, uh, you know, there's a way to lead without being overbearing, you know, but also taking into account everybody else's feelings and emotions and, you know, stuff that they don't even realize sometimes. Uh, but using those to make your decisions and and, and continue on. And I felt like, uh, I feel like, you know, a good leader really almost can be can be camouflaged into the group and not even be noticed as the leader, you know, like if, if it's being done correctly, where it's just like, you know, everybody just moves along as one. And I feel like that's really what happened on our trip, you know. Like it just, the group was all cohesive, you know. We were all following you. And it just, man, it just worked out awesome. I yeah, I'm, I, I can beat this drum all day, really. Because <laughs> it's been, it, it well, really know, has changed a lot. Sorry. Um, it's funny you mentioned leadership because I, I call myself the facilitator of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, there is a leadership component that comes into it and, you know, understanding men in groups, um, you know, probably comes from my time as a peacekeeper 
and, you know, four missions overseas and so on. And I think that part of the, the group dynamic stuff that I work on is like, you know, leading guys through this, through this stuff can be difficult. Um, but it does take a certain kind of finesse and management of people's personalities and so on. And I feel like I leverage my, my previous career to, to kind of do that, but also, you know, be respectful because, you know, when you're doing that kind of work, if you're an overbearing leader, that doesn't go well. So it's a matter of like, you know, having the the tiny pinch of drill sergeant mixed in there when it's needed. Like sometimes I literally got to say like, Hey folks, you know, if you want to heckle me every time I open my mouth, because there's always a joker on a trip, you know, just keep in mind that like, you know, I might be saying that there's a 4,000 foot drop around the next corner. And I've learned to like say the right things at the right time to get people to understand that I'm there to make sure they have the best time possible. I'm not there to condescend to anyone. I'm not there to boss anyone around. Hey, I'm not even there measuring my own dick. It's really about trying to take people through an incredible experience in a short amount of time that you couldn't do in 10 days of riding yourself, which is, you know, physically impossible to have all the logistics in place to go what we went through. And I mean, I look at, you know, on day five, guys are slapping me on the back saying this is the most amazing trip they've ever been on and thanking me like it's over, and we've barely gotten started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, it was like three days in where everybody was like, if we went home tomorrow, we'd be fucking, we'd still be stoked, you know? And you're like, hey, we, we're just now getting out of town, fellas, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think that's where the value for this is. You know, you look at the price of our trips. I mean, there's similar trips are eight or ten thousand dollars, and I'm I'm trying to make it accessible to the working man, right? Like, you know, that's I'm very passionate about that part of it. Like, sure, it's got to be profitable and stay solvent to be able to perpetuate perpetuate itself forward. But like, you know, I'm not in it to make make major banks um, because I feel like the average guy is who I want taken this trip you know not not putting them out of range of working class folks was a super important part of the development of this whole thing and i think that also speaks a little bit to the somewhat rough and tumble part of it like you know let's let's be honest this these trips aren't aren't for everybody if someone thinks they're going to keep their seat you know they're they're ass planted in the seat and and have a relaxing cruise through the himalayas then they're on the wrong trip yeah no they (laughs) definitely are but i was like I feel like you did a great job of managing expectations, especially when it came to, like, where we were going to stay. You're like, you know, bring a bring a bedroll or blank. I can't remember what it was. Maybe bring a sleeping bag. You know, I was envisioning we were going to be, like, maybe staying under lean-tos in some places. But, no, man, we were staying at, you know. I mean, they were nice hotels over there. They weren't five-star hotels over here. I don't know how they rate over there, but. I was thoroughly impressed, like, just every single day. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And, and we did the trip backwards. So I imagine that there was some design on, like, you know, when you plan the trip, what days to do first, you know, compared to what days to do last. And since we did the whole thing backwards, it was kind of, you know, a little different than what you normally do. Uh, now, how often do you guys even do the trips backwards? So uh, doing the trips backwards that time was kind of by, by design. My partner, Booty, was running a trip as well. And we can't have, you know, we've only got room for so many people to stay, right? So we sat down and we looked at it and was like, it's the same experience in terms of the things that you hit. Um, but the or- ordering them, um, you know, opposite 
the middle part still stays the same, right? So yeah. the, the, the pinnacle of the trip, like the climax, right? So basically the farmhouse stop changed from the, from the front side of the back side. But as we talked about it, we're like, man, the farmhouse is just amazing no matter what time it is, it is there. And then the middle part, you know, kind of we end up crossing paths. Uh, but the, the reason behind when you say doing it backwards, so to speak, is, um, you know, it's kind of running the route in the, in the opposite direction was because, you know, we had like 18 people on each, each side of the trip. Um, so, you know, some of those hotels in the, in the high mountains can only have 12 people in them or so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my staff's doubling up in rooms and, and, and sleeping on floors and stuff to make sure everybody gets a place to, to stay. So when we run two trips at the same time, um, that ends up being uh, a situation where we just kind of have to, you know, start at one end of the trip or the other. Um, but for me, the key part is it's a big circle at the end of the day anyway. And the, the pinnacle of the trip being Muktanoff, um, in, in, on the Nepal version anyway, is, uh, it stays exactly the same. So with that being said, I was okay with, you know, kind of reversing the order of the stops yeah. because for me, it's that when you get to that 14,500 feet and you can legitimately say you're, you're, you're climbing mountains with motorcycles at that for, point, right? It's real. like, dang, we're up here. And then, you know, to watch the people go through that experience in the center of the trip where we're in the, the highest of the mountains that we're going to be in and the vistas that we're seeing and so on. Um, really, you know, and this time around, you'll get to see it in rever- reverse, right? When we go in, in November uh, 1st to 13th this year, you're, you'll, you'll, you're going to be get, going to all the same stops except in, in a different order. But the middle will stay the same. So I think that that's a, a kind of a part of, of what I try to craft in all of our trips. Um, and, you know, working closely with Booty on this stuff and talking about what it is, we're, what we're trying to take people through. So there's got to be a right amount of, of paying your dues. There's got to be a right amount of, like, lead up to getting people, you know, broke in, so to speak, on the bikes. And then a right amount of adventure in the middle. And then kind of the come down and, and a, you know, R&R in the middle. I mean... I'm, I'm on a tangent here, but boy, I love it when some tough guy coal miner says to me, you know, how many, how many miles we do in a day? And I go like, well, some days it's 50. And he's like, I do that before breakfast. What the hell are you talking about? You know, and that's my commute to work. Yeah. And then, and then they do, they do one of those days and they've been riding for 10 hours and they realize like, wow, this is, this is serious. And so when I say that we've got a day off in the middle of the 10 day trip to, to rest in Pokura, at the beginning of the trip, guys are like, I don't need no goddamn day off. What are you talking about? I'm a rider, brother. And then we get to that point where we've got that middle day off after coming out of the high mountains and, and people are like, whoa, man, I am so glad that I got 24 hours to rest because I don't know if I could do it again tomorrow. <laughs> well, and, you know, and it, it doesn't even have to be looked at as a day off, you know. It's more like a day where you can really immerse yourself in the people and the culture and the, the businesses and just checking shit out. I mean, I've like when we did this last trip through Mexico, I mean, that's what we did. I mean, I, and Gary and Mies were with us, you know, we could have ridden all day long, but we would get to a place about two or three just after lunch, you know, and check the place out and really take advantage of being there, you know, and really stop and smell the roses. And that's another thing that I picked up from from traveling with you. You know, the first couple of days we're all felt like we had just gotten started and now we're stopping someplace. But then after, you know, two days of stopping someplace and smelling the roses, we're like, you know, fuck. Yeah, you the whole trip doesn't have to be riding. There is so much over there to take in. Uh 
like I say, it's it's changed the way I travel. Like it it really has. And I, I think the cultural aspects that you mentioned are, are an interesting point to touch on as well because it is so different over there, and I think there's. You know, seeing the human experience through a different lens, there's so many different ways to live. And, you know, we can call it the third world, but, you know, some of these folks, their focus is different. You know, they're, there's, there's, there's kids with no shoes that have the biggest smiles I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, you know, their needs are different and their, their, their focus in life is different. Family being so much more important or their, their relationship to their deities, et cetera. Like, I think just experiencing that and, and even if it doesn't change how you live, but seeing that there are other ways of looking at the world is, is kind of a fascinating piece of it. And the number of people that have gotten to some of these temples or sacred sites and, you know, walk through the door and combust into tears out of nowhere. And they're not a devout anything, let alone a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Christian even. And they, they cross the threshold of some sacred site and, you know, literally just are overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. And that to me, seeing that and in, in it happened now. It happened to myself uh, when I first went there, and then to see that has happened without you know me even telling that story to three other people that have come on my trips. It's like wow, like it is. This is moving, or you know, being on the side of a mountain with with a guy that's in his sixties and with tears streaming down his face, you know, saying I can't believe I waited my whole life to do this. Like this trip has has changed my understanding you know, of the, what I should be doing with my time. And I'm like, and they're, and they're sad. And I'm like, but you're here now, dude. Yeah. And like remembering that takeaway from that trip. The one thing I try to make sure two things actually that happen for every rider is one, they come away a better rider. And I don't care how good you are, whether you're a professional rider or not, those mountains are going to teach you something about riding. I, I, I feel that with my heart of hearts, hundred percent that everybody tends to come away a better rider, whether it's, because of the dense traffic in Kathmandu yeah. or from riding, riding with a, with a, with a couple of thousand foot drop, two feet from you, uh, one way or another that, that happens. And then the other takeaway that I really try to, to share with people is that there's only one irreplaceable commodity in life and that's time. Yeah. And I think that that is a real eye opener, how much I, I, I talk about that. And I give even a speech about that at Muktanoff generally to kind of, you know, it's, is probably a, a bit much a little talk where i just remind people like man this is a one lap race dude like you know time is the one thing you can't re- replace you can make more money you can build more motorcycles but time is the one thing you're never getting back so i, I think a few guys that have come on these trips are now i look i watch their instagram feeds and they're becoming like you know serial travelers and it's like you know something something click with them so uh, that part of it for me is the most rewarding part is like you know, folks say, Bear, how can you do the same trips over and over? I mean, it's easy. They're, everyone is different because of the people. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. <clears throat> you're absolutely. And just sharing that experience with people that have not experienced it, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, that's probably what I'm looking forward to most is, like, sharing the experience with a new group of guys. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Now, as far as, like, you know, you know, we weren't the only ones to experience COVID. Uh, you know, that area is, I mean, it seemed like it was geared, built on tourism. You know, Kathmandu was just a thriving city uh, and selling a lot of, you know, take-home stuff. How, how have they bounced back from it? And, you know, how do you expect this trip to be different from the last one? Or will it be at all in that aspect? So I'm going out 10 days ahead of the group. Um, I'm going to go do a full recon 
and, you know, run through all the stops. Um, it's been a couple of years. Um, luckily I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to, you know, maintain contact with, uh, with our staff and even, even pay some of them, you know, through COVID, um, obviously not the same wages they'd be waking, making if they were working, but, um, you know, I insist, and they're, they're proud guys. A lot of them were, were, were kind of like, no, no, I can't, you can't, can't do that. And I was like, well, it's, it's something that I want to do for you, whether you, whether you like it or not, you know, call it a wedding gift if you have to. Um, but I think that showing those guys that we care about them and are willing, you know, we're willing to, to kind of maintain some contact and some monetary compensation means that they were waiting for us on the other end of this. So luckily, um, for me, my very competent team is, is still in place and ready to go. And uh, so I think that that's going to be a, a big windfall for our organization. And then, um, for the country itself, I think it's been particularly difficult for Nepal because they are, you know, their, their biggest part of their economy comes from tourism. Uh, so that's definitely been, you know, difficult for the Nepalese in general. Um, but I think things are kind of firing on all cylinders right now. And, you know, we're booking trips, you know, well into 2023. Um, you know, uh, if I can be so bold as to plug myself, um, yeah. com. Uh, we've got a full slot of, of trips uh, through 2023 and a couple of dates starting in 2024 already. Um, you know, they're filling up quick and I'm, I'm impressed um, with how many people are really ready to travel now. So I think that, you know, places like Nepal are going to be uh, back on their feet in, in no time. But um, I'm heading over there ahead of ahead of our first uh, kickoff trip to uh, just do a full recon and, and meet and greet the, the hotel owners and, and kind of get back through things, see what roads have washed out or changed and uh, make sure that it's, you know, once again, this sort of world-class adventure level experience. Uh, so if something's turned into tarmac and it's a little too easy, I will find a worse way to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Listen, when you, you talk about like, you know, the mountains teaching us something and, you know, even on the trip, you're like, all right, I know we've been in town a lot, but we're, you know, we're getting to the real adventure. And I, and I just kept thinking, you know, the real adventure for me at some points was just the thrill of riding through that traffic, you know, just like, you know, it's so overwhelming at first and, you know, you just, you just, they just operate, they like have different priorities in, in the, the whole way they live and, and the way that they travel and they manipulate their vehicles on the road. And you finally, you know, you finally come to terms with that and, you know, next thing you know, everybody is functioning in that traffic. But man, that that was such an adventure just taking off that first day in Kathmandu. I think I was the first person. I went down in the ditch, you know, after about three turns, you know. We hadn't even the group was still tight until I fucking ate it in a you know, a, I don't know, a ditch of some sort. But man, that that was that was adventuresome for me. I think the, uh, the, the once you figure out that they're beeping at you to let you know where they are, like like some kind of sonar or something, yeah. Um, and then it's not to tell you to fuck off. That that kind of that was the biggest you know change for me. It's just like everybody's beeping. Like all these people beeping at me. It's like no, no, they're just letting you politely letting you know that they're they're you know on your tail, a foot off your right flank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is that is uh, a yeah, tough one to to because you're you're just so used to it meaning the opposite. Like even when you hear that and you know that. It takes a couple of days before you your body doesn't get tense or you know aggravated to some degree when somebody's honking at you. Yeah, it does definitely takes a minute to figure that out, and then um, you know we've also been working on reducing the riding in the in the traffic because you know 
that is part of the adventure and we definitely make sure people get to sample it. Um, but you know, having a van, you know, I encourage people to arrive two days early. There's three world heritage sites in uh, Kathmandu that I like to take people to, uh, uh, for the open air cremations. Um, it's a really a sight to see. And then, uh, the Budanath stupa, which is the biggest in the world and apparently has one of Buddha's teeth, uh, buried underneath a very giant, uh, Nepalese, uh, stupa. Um, and then the monkey temple, you know, and, and being up close and personal with the monkeys is, uh, is, is pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, those are all, you know, getting a minivan and just piling everybody in and getting them out to those sites rather than trying to navigate that, you know, 12 deep on motorcycles, um, through the city is, is, is pretty tough. Well, you, there's uh, so, just so many unknown or uncontrollable variables that, you know, you minimize that, you, you know, you're doing a lot, especially with all those people. I mean, I've, I've gone as far as to try to not travel at night anymore just because I know that the, no, the chances of something happening at night, just, they just go up compared to riding in the daylight. I, uh, you know, you just reduce the numbers. And because uh, when, when you got that many people, there's just the, the the chances of something happen just get greater. Yeah, and I think you know that, that kind of dense traffic, um, at, you know, at night it doesn't change really. You know what I mean? Like unless it's the middle of the night. So you know you got oncoming headlights. You don't know if you're going left or right. You're riding on the wrong side of the road. You know, it, it just kind of really can easily lead to to problems. So that's part of the the, the trip design. Is that you know I make sure everybody has a bright and early ride and you know gets through their day. Uh, but we really try to be in, um, you know, by dark every, every time because, you know, riding on in the mountains with 4,000 foot drops and, you know, no guardrails on six foot wide roads, it, it's just a recipe for, for disaster. It's un, you know, unsurvivable, <laughs> really, if you can make a mistake in one of those areas. So, um, but to your point about the traffic, I think everybody needs to get a sample of it because so many customers tell me, oh, well. So how much are bikes over there? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just rent, I'll just rent a bike or buy a bike. And I, what I need you for, it's like, man, there's no street signs. <laughs> there's no traffic lights of any no, kind. There's, not. And there's like complete pandemonium. Um, even just trying to get out of Kathmandu might take you two or three days. And I'm going to lead you out the best road to the best place. And, you know, have you dipping in a sacred pool before long, um, and I think that that's part of the, 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 the crafting of this experience. I don't think that people realize how much time um, we've put into, you know, setting these things up and curating them and thinking about it. And, you know, I've been going over there for years now. It's, it's not like this is some fly-by-night situation or we're handing you off to contractors. Like, I'm invested in the quality of the trip because I'm on the damn thing. And it's going to continue to be that way. Um, that, you know, myself or, or booty are, are essentially going to be on every single trip. Like, it's just not, you know, I'm not prepared to sacrifice quality for scale. And that, that means that motorcycle trip is probably always going to be a boutique, you know, eight, you know, travel thing with, you know, a world-class experience is, is what I strive for. And so far, no one's told me otherwise, that that's not what we're offering. Cause it, it I really tried myself on making sure that this is, almost untouchable in terms of the, the level of experience of, uh, you know, adventure that people are going to experience. Well, now speaking of a world-class experience, you got to have a world-class team. And part of that world-class team is booty Singh. how did you find booty? So I went over there, um, to do a tour an organized one. Um, 
and basically bumped into him, met him, rented a bike. Um, and then from there, you know, the rest is history. It, it wasn't three hours of me and booting knowing each other that we were discussing, you know, being in business together. And, you know, my 20, 20 some odd long year career in America with my other businesses, you know, that really, he saw an opportunity there, but then also just our, our kindred spirits. Um, you know, it just, there were so many things that kind of rang the bell. Um, so like I'm a dual citizen. Um, I have one French Canadian grandmother, um, and I spent my, my summers with her. So I learned to speak French booty was also educated in France. So he speaks English, um, and, and French. So we have a, like this bilingual thing, knowing an extra language together, which was interesting. And then just kind of finishing each other's sentences, um, in terms of what we wanted to offer, um, what was wrong with adventure travel essentially and, and how we wanted to do things differently. And then, uh, he's been working in the tourism industry since he's 16 years old. Um, and I think he just turned 38. So, you know, considering how, how young he is, uh, the breadth of, of experience that, that booty has just in the industry and the connections. I mean, you know, I could, I don't think I could do it the same without that guy. Just, just to be clear, like I, I definitely have a vision for what motorcycle Sherpa is and how I want it to be, but without him as my right hand man, it would definitely be a, a different vibe. And um, all, all the credit where it's due um, for our, my partnership with Booty. He's a very special man and and humble to a fault as well. Um, I'm just I'm blessed to have him in my life. Really, that's awesome. Yeah, I I really enjoy. I look forward to going back and seeing him. Uh... Gosh, <laughs> I can't wait to give him a big old hug and see his smile, hear him talk about all his dogs or whatever he's been saving these days. Is he still doing the Manali so, uh, dog rescue thing? So, you, 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 you read my mind. I was just about to say that I've stayed in touch with Booty um, you know, during COVID, of course, and um, we've made some reasonable-sized donations to his latest venture, which is um, the Manali uh, Animal Shelter. Um, you know, in his hometown of Manali in India, there's, you know, animals are very mistreated. Children throw rocks at dogs and there's a lot of, you know, strays that are, you know, in bad condition. And uh, he's taken it upon himself to take that up as a cause and, um, you know, spade and neuter um, some of these strays, keep the population down and, and protect and care for what's already there and then educate um, the, the children. He does talks. I mean, it's really hard to see as a Westerner when you see a uh, a child being mean to an animal that's that's on the street because they don't know better, um, and he's really been working to to solve that. He, he put together a great team, and um, you know I myself have donated a couple of thousand dollars to help support it, and it goes a long way. Um, but you know, no 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 rest for the for the wickedly cool, as they say, because uh, COVID came along and 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 screwed up um, adventure travel. Uh, Booty didn't skip a beat. Um, you know, starting a motorcycle cafe. Um, in Manali, and then the, the dog shelter as well. So, really, he's got a cafe uh, now in Manali too. Yeah, motorcycle cafe and rentals are, are also part of the program. And uh, you know, I think that's another reason we get along. We're both serial entrepreneurs um, from very different backgrounds, um, but also share very similar ethos in terms of the quality of what we want to do. And money isn't always the driving factor. You know, like I, I say, you know, do what you love, and the money will follow. Or, you know, I'm, I'm really often focused on putting the work in and doing it right versus, you know, making a spectacle of myself. Even, even this interview is a little bit out of character for me. They'll, 
I certainly have the gift of the gab and can talk. Um, you know, I'm often camera shy or, or, or not running around promoting myself because I like my products and my businesses to speak for themselves. And that's, that's kind of, you know, even where we're at with the new agency, uh, content ecosystems, you know, we're, we're, we're helping some companies triple their revenue using the same tools that I've built to, to run my businesses. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, you motorcycle service, not the only thing you da- you've got going on. You've got <clears throat> old bike barn, you've got white knuckler brand and, as well, the content. Tell me the name of this new one. Content ecosystems. I've been consulting for probably a decade. Um, you know, kind of behind the scenes, um, helping different people. You know, navigate the digital landscape. Um, you know, in terms of e-commerce, um, I'm kind of a dinosaur, right? Like Old Bike Barn started in 2001. Um, I grossed my first million online at 30 in 2003, and it's kind of just been a rodeo ever since. Um, you know, I mean, we predate Facebook, my operations and, and all that social media jazz. So I've seen every iteration of what, you know, kind of e-commerce looks like. Um, a, a funny thing to me is, uh, we were, we were technically online right around the same time or just before bike bandit with old bike barn. Okay. And, uh, we were, you know, we, you know, we out, we outlasted those guys. So I guess we're doing something right that we're, we're still around, but um, you know, vintage motorcycles isn't a growth opportunity. It's something I love. It's a passion-driven project, but I felt it was important to diversify, you know, my income stream and take care of my family. So that's where, you know, the, the travel business and the knife and leather goods business, and then, of course, the agency. Um, I'm being more vocal about the, the work that I've been doing behind the scenes for, for years, helping other events and and different businesses, you know, everything from a, a whiskey distiller uh, to magazines, um, you know, we've, we're helping folks navigate what has become the new normal. And the new normal is you can't really get your message out organically anymore. Um, no. everything is a pay to play system and, uh, navigating those tools is, is difficult. So I firmly believe that blogs are never going away. Email marketing's never going away. SMS text message is never going away. So I'm a big advocate for owned lists. Um, and, and growing and grooming and building those lists and developing, you know, kind of a never ending conversation with your consumer, um, through, you know, high quality content. Um, I, I hate it when I sign up for a newsletter and all I get is buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit. So, you know, we retain three professional writers. Um, we're constantly developing new content for ourselves and our clients. And, um, it's amazing how when you do the good work and you put out things that, that people are interested in and find pleasurable, um, you know, they, they vote with their dollars afterwards and give you a purchase, but it doesn't have to be about, uh, you know, buy my stuff all the time. I think it's pretty boring. And, um, so that's where, you know, content ecosystems comes in and like, it's really about leveraging content and, and getting it in front of, the, of consumers for that kind of ongoing conversation. And, um, it's certainly working for my brands and, and the ones that we're helping with it. Uh, but navigating that, uh, and making that profitable is is uh, an expertise that you know we've developed myself and my team, you know, over 20 years now. Um, you know, my oldest employee has been with me for 15 years at this point. Behind that's 11, and then seven. Um, so we've got guys with time in in e-commerce that I think a lot of these turn and burn type agencies um, where they you know blow smoke up your ass, take your money, and kick you to the curb till the next guy comes along. They can do that too. Um, we're more into long-term relationships and, you know, making it work and, and being accountable for the results. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like every few months you see a handful of people complaining on the internet that, uh, 
you know, that the, 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 the algorithms are keeping people from seeing their post or whatever it may be. But, you know, I've always kind of looked at it as, you know, these companies are businesses. And when, you know, they see other businesses making money off their model, you know, of course they're going to put a crimp on that and say, hey, we would like a little piece of that, you know. I don't even think it's too much of them to ask for like, hey, you know, if you're if you're a business and you're trying to make money off our platform, work with us, you know, and we can help you grow. And, you know, it's it's obvious how much information that these companies are gathering off of what could be potential consumers, you know. Well, who better to to give your your ad revenue to than somebody like you who knows how to manipulate these systems that are taking information from everybody who's scrolling their phones and looking at whatever they like on the internet. Uh, seems like a no brainer well, to me. Well, I also think that, you know, there's a lot of, is this another one of those passion projects where it started because I helped some friends and, you know, generated good results and then realized like, Hey, maybe more people need this. Uh, but I'm kind of upside down about what big tech does in terms of pulling the wool over the layperson's eyes. Like I understand this stuff because we're we're in that you know digital marketing zone. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's kind of a travesty how much they've impacted small business. And though these tools are fascinating, um, I really have become an advocate for lead generation and owned lists, which you can do through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. But you know you've got to be buying email addresses and adding those to your list essentially through lead gen advertisement um, because pay-per-click just kind of goes up in smoke and you don't generate any metrics from that or, or, or necessarily, you know, truly see um, in a post iOS 14 world with all the new privacy rules on phones and stuff. Uh, it's really hard to get in front of the correct eyeballs. So, gotcha. you know, though the audience generation stuff is, is really important. I think that getting people to sign up, um, you know, for quality content, you know, we have to work a little bit harder today. I think that that's the, the biggest thing. You used to be able to phone it in, put, put up a Facebook or Instagram ad and kind of phone it in and, and it would work out. Um, that's not performing like it used to. And I, I make the analogy, when I drive down the highway, I never see a billboard and I pass them every day. Gotcha. And I think that that's kind of happened in terms of ads in feeds. I just scroll right past that stuff. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it the same way, but if it's something promoting content that's engaging to me, then that's a different equation. And I think that that's where modern marketing is just headed. You know, you've got to be a content creator. It's got to be good stuff. Um, and, and consumers are too smart for you to just phone it in. So, um, you know, one of the things that we really help people with is developing that voice. And people tell me, I have no content. And I like, I'm on the Zoom call with them and I look behind them and I'm like, What's that springer on the hanging on the wall over there? What's that from? Oh, and then they tell me, oh, it's a one year only X Y Z. You know, like they got content all around them. Yeah, and it's just a matter of understanding how to generate organic social media, what the right things to use for content are, and what you can actually tell a story about, and then making a mix of very personable stuff combined with, hey, you know, you 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 do custom Harley work. Well, let's write a story about the the knucklehead and have that professionally written with some statistics and stats about how many were made and different things. And that's interesting content for the consumer that ties into your business, but it doesn't have to be buy my stuff every single day. And I think that that's where, again, I come back to the, it's about the quality of what you're turning out. 
And, you know, if you look at the blogs on, on, on my operations on old bike burn or, or white knuckle brand, like you'll see, there's, you know, a lot of stuff written about, you know, high quality images and so on that I think that the average entrepreneur just doesn't have the time for. So that's kind of where we're stepping up to the plate and, and helping businesses reach their audiences through improved content. And that's why it's called content ecosystems. Content, um, and but, that's, you know, how, what's the website for content ecosystems? Contentecosystems.com. Perfect. Yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, blogs are, dude, pictures, you know, just like visual stimulation, telling a story. I think a lot of people, when you say they don't, they don't think they have content, it's like, yeah, it's because they're not, you know, it's just you got to tell a story, you know. And a lot of things, when, you're, when they're so closely tied to you, you don't realize that people will find that stuff interesting. I mean, I know I do the, I've got the same thing going on. I I should be creating or could be creating a lot more content. Uh, and, you know, I just don't sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, and I, well, I and think I would, your podcast is one of the best in the game, bro. So well, I think you're doing the, a good job with content. This, the, but the, how the do podcast, we serve it to more people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's more potential for me to do more stuff online. Uh, but, yeah, the, the podcast is where I try and focus, you know. This, this, this uh, audio creation is my baby and uh yeah and i think i think you sorry go ahead i I was yeah i think there's there's room for other things but i think the longevity of of this uh and the um you know the time that it takes away and and gives me at the same time is uh what i want to push to make better in the future so i'm just on that path but i know that there's there are little things i could do to generate maybe some more uh, some more traffic to the show to get it in front of more eyes. And, uh, you know, it's cool that you've div- – I mean, I know that there's a ton of people that would benefit more from a social presence or, or using the Internet, whether it is uh, emails or blogs or social media, like, and, and using that to their benefit instead of, you know – and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, is getting on and letting it suck time and energy away from me instead of, you know, adding to it. You know what is uh, is interesting? I think here I'll put some skin in the game, and I'll say that I, I'd love to have a, a, a call with you about lead generation and collecting email addresses via advertisement for signups to you know get samples of your podcast and have them become followers and members, etc. Um, I'd, I'd love to sit down with you and talk about how to do that. And you know, just for the average person out there, I bet there's a bunch of different entrepreneurs that are that are listening to you right to this podcast. Um, I think that you know trying some experiments with, with lead generation uh, pointed towards content uh, can be a really revolutionary thing for most small business. And I think that it's an often overlooked way of doing things. And, you know, it's, if you've already, if you're already producing content, you know, why not leverage it? So, you know, to speak a little bit about how that works, I think the simplest thing that most businesses can do, and I'm throwing out this free tip here, it's, it's an indoc series or a welcome series. So you, you do a lead gen campaign, that's getting, um, you know, click throughs to people to sign up for your newsletter. And then you build some automation in with one of the softwares like MailChimp or Clavio, et cetera, and turn that into a four part series that is through automation. The moment they sign up, they get the first email and the first email says, Hey, thank you for joining our newsletter. Here's a look at what to expect. The next one is, Hey, here's three examples of our favorite goods and our favorite blog stories. And then, you know, the third one says, 
you know, hey, if you're not already following us on social media, here's a look at our link or the email. Hey, thanks for joining the newsletter. We're moving you to the main list now. Um, thanks for joining the ride. And just creating that very simple automation allows you to cr- collect email addresses for people that are engaged and interested. Their purchase intent or their intent to engage with you, if they've provided their email address, is exponentially higher. And they've essentially raised their hand and said, hey, I'm interested in what you do. Yeah. So having a conversation with those people versus cold advertisement and cold pay-per-click, it's just a real different game. And that, that, that's where my head is right now when it comes to, to marketing and, and getting in front of the right people. Work with the yeses, brother. Like just the guy that's going to give you his email address, he's interested in what you're doing. So focus on that chase that fruit instead of the more complicated stuff. So that's, that's, I think one of the biggest paradigm shifts in, in modern marketing right now is that the, the, that the platforms have monetized them so much that you've got to be careful about how you spend your dollars. Yeah, no. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm now, you know, thinking about some of the lists that I'm on or, uh, you know, just companies that have my email and send me stuff. You're right. The more engaging ones, there, there are some that like every email is, Check out this for sale. Check this product out. You know, pretty much trying to sell. And then, but the ones that I look at are the ones that are actually sending over content. Uh, you know, one that's been catching my eye lately is uh, Vana Magazine. It's V A H N A. You know, which is obviously what they do is create content. Uh, but it catches my eye because they're they're putting in, you know, bear. Check this out. So they sent me an email a while back about a story called the Death Acre. Have you heard of the Death Acre? Nope. It's in Africa. It's like this section of, you know, this really remote place where the sand dunes turn into the ocean. Anyways, it was just a great story about these guys riding vintage motorcycles and barely making it, you know, and then fucking breaking down, right? You know, there's like a small window during a certain time of the year where the sand's hard enough to ride on at the bottom of the sand dunes. Anyways, it was just a great article, but it, you know, it's just, it's, it goes to show you that, that that got to me through my email and that content was worth reading and those are the those are the emails I click on that have content and it makes me want to support that brand. I think what you're saying is is really good stuff. Yeah, it's uh I think it's it's just a matter of, you know, for me authenticity means everything and 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 you know, putting out good work in America still means something and I think that you know, the consumer is getting too smart for people that phone it in they're going to get left behind and um, you know, if you do the work, um, the rest should follow. That's the way I look at it. Um, but switching gears back to motorcycle Sherpa for a second, I want to talk about, um, when, you know, we lost the momentum. So, you know, okay. like I said, because I have multiple businesses, um, you know, we did $80,000 worth of refunds for motorcycle Sherpa, And I was in a condition to be able to do that. Um, and I was proud of that because when COVID hit, I mean, we had all kinds of trips booked ahead of ourselves and we had to you know, just honor those deposits and give them back to people. And it was, it was a good feeling for me that we were capable of doing that and just returning the funds to folks and canceling all of those trips, um, because of COVID. Um, but there's a little known fact that I haven't talked much about is we really did a beautiful documentary. Me and me and my right hand man, Zane cook. Um, I made a real from the heart 15 minute short film. Um, and it was finished on October 25th, 2019. So that's right before we left, for, um, for that trip in 19. And my plan was we were going to go do that trip with a bunch of A-listers like yourself. You know, uh, Lichter was on that trip. You know, Doug Wofke, you, 
there was a real eclectic uh, group of, of, of individuals that, you know, had names in motorcycling. And uh, we're going to come back from that trip and, you know, release my movie. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, we come back and it's, it's you know, now December. Came back just around Black Friday. We're into December. It's, it's hot and heavy for, for the Christmas season for my other brands. And I was like, you know what? People are busy with Christmas right now. I'll, I'll release this movie in, in January. And then by the time we got to mid-January, it was Wuhan, Wuhan, Wuhan in the news. And I was like, all right, I'll wait a little bit. It's probably not a good time to talk about international travel. So let's, you know, move this. Maybe we'll do it in March. Well, by March, it's in America. And now international travel is this toxic, hot potato subject. Um, I couldn't believe the animosity that folks had towards even us. Like, hey, man, I don't make the rules. Like, your body, your choice. I'm all about that. But, like... If you want to go to Nepal, I'm very sorry. Like this is these are the rules, and I'm not going to risk my travel license, etc., to 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 break the rules. So, you know, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's totally fine. I'm a big advocate of people making their own choice, but I'm I'm just a messenger as to what I I have to portray as the rules. And I mean, people cussing me out on the phone, motherfucker, fuck you, this, fuck that. It's like, geez, dude, like I'm just coping with the environment around me. So. I made the call to not release the movie and to basically shut down operations for Motorcycle Sherpa, other than the giveaway we were doing with you and your podcast and, you know, a little bit of social media. We really felt that it was appropriate to just kind of batten down the hatch and weather this storm. And I, I fully believe that we'd come back swinging someday. And here we are. We're, you know, back at it, back in the saddle. Um, you know, November 1st to 13th, our first trip. Um, we've got, uh, Bobby from Indian Larry motorcycles, uh, Darren from McKee guard, uh, Paul from bare knuckle performance. Um, you know, real interesting group of cats, uh, headed out and, and many others. I think Doug's probably coming on this trip as well as yourself and your winner. And we're going to come out. Swinging. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm planning on dropping the movie, um, properly for the first time, actually releasing our 15 minute short film, uh, November 18th. We're doing an online watch party. And uh, also an in-person trying to rent an old theater um, locally in Columbus where I live and uh, just have a, a little celebration of something we put heart and soul into. Um, Zane and I you know, worked real hard on that movie, but then just really never got to do anything with it. And it's been it's probably the only thorn in my britches about <laughs> Motorcycle Trippa. I've been that goddamn movie that I spent 30 grand making and never did a damn thing with. Um, I'm finally feel like the timing has come and it's appropriate to really push it out there. So I'm going to tap every person I know in the inter- industry to, to, to promote that watch party and, and get the news out there about this 15 minute short film that talks exactly, um, you know, kind of what, what I'm all about and what we're about. And that's, you know, really that there's only one irreplaceable commodity in life and that's time. So forget about your bucket list live now because you don't know what is around the corner tomorrow absolutely so that's november 8th how do we watch that what's it going to be on um so it'll be there's going to be a link on the motorcycle sherpa website at motorcyclesherpa.com and there's going to be a link that says watch the movie and there'll be a sign up where you can get the information for the links for the facebook live about it um as well as the, the a link to the, to the youtube link when the time comes um and you know i really want to give a shout out to my my right hand man zane cook who did the videography on that um you know i'm the Peruse producer and director but uh another uh, case of you know teamwork makes the dream work uh so often and 
that's where I want to circle back and again say, Dan, I can't thank you enough for the way that you carried the motorcycle stripper torch through COVID. Um, man, there were, there were days where I was real down in the dumps about all of this and, uh, to, to hear you every time plugging it. And then every time we encountered each other at a show or talked to just see the spark and the magic in your eye about what you experienced with us was like, I, I it's probably the best reward that I could ever get for, for venturing to do that. Well, I mean, like I say, it was easy because it was, I mean, I'm just replicating the energy and the excitement that I got from the, the experience you took me on. So I'm excited to go back. Are there any, are there any spots left for the November 1st through 13th or is that, is that booked up? We are booked brother. It's, it's a solid full trip. Um, I think we're going to, I think it's, we're at 18 folks right now, which is the maximum I like to do. Um, but I think we're going to be, you know, I always keep the quality up by, by allowing a natural fast pack and slow back, slow pack to develop. Um, so there'll be, you know, kind of the, the, the leader, um, either myself or, or, or booty up front. And then kind of those guys are usually the faster group. And then I'll probably spot Modi, um, in the middle. Um, and then obviously tail gunners behind and then, and then, we'll behind, and then behind them is Doug. Two, two groups. What's that? I said, and then behind them is Doug. <laughs> Taking it nice and yeah, easy. Yeah, and then Dick, Doug, <laughs> Doug likes to likes the tail gunner role, and he's a good man for it because uh, you know he knows how to wrench on just about anything. So, uh, dude, dude, definitely the rear with the gear is the right place for Doug. Dude, that uh, crazy motherfucker been, rode through Ukraine. Like, is he is he literally just riding to Kathmandu at this point? <laughs> you know, I've been trying to get a hold of Doug for for a few uh, for a few days here. I'm looking, sorry, I'm looking at my phone. My battery's about to die, so I'm just making sure I got plugged in here. All right. Um, yeah, I've been uh, texting back and forth with Doug. I know he was in the Isle of Man last time I spoke to him, um, and you know, I just uh, actually texted him before our call and said, "Hey, you know, we're 60 days out on this trip. Let's uh, let's circle back." But you know, Doug's another interesting cat. It's really. Uh, <laughs> Came on my my trip with the okay grasshopper. You think you know something about travel? Um, and to, to to have Doug debrief after the first experience with us and say, yeah, you're you're, you're, you're you got this together pretty good. I'm uh, I'm not easily impressed. And he he kind of gave me his blessing on it that he was into what we were doing, and then brought a lot of his friends. So um, you know, probably the, the be- another one of the best compliments I could have is when people endorse us by nature of of coming on a second trip and or bringing their friends to go through the experience. Um, uh, it's, you know, like I said, teamwork makes the dream work um, in, 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 in these things and just about everything in life, I think. Um, which, you know, brings me, I should probably shout out a few people. Um, you know, I've been so fortunate in the industry, um, you know, to, to have good friends that like what I do. And, and know that my, my heart is in it and it's not always about the money and that makes it easy for people to support. Uh, but I mean, uh, Tyler from Lowbrow Customs was one of my very first com- customers and his brother Kyle. Um, and then Bill from Biltwell came on a trip and then sent three of his employees, and, including Jeff and Rouser. Um, you know, Danita's come on a trip, another influencer out there. Uh, Chris from Spoken Dagger, Mikey Revolt, um, and of course, Michael Lichter, on two trips with multiple magazine articles about us. Um, I really couldn't ask for a better uh, support from the community and my friends um, that, that believe in what we're doing. Um, it, it, it just tells me that, that Booty and I's friendship being the center of this is really 
made it what it is in terms of like, it's not just a for-profit organization. We're, we're trying to do something different and we're trying to really open people's eyes about adventure and how they spend their time. No, you're absolutely doing it. And if Doug, Doug I've never seen Doug endorse anything. Uh, that's, that's a compliment because that dude gets around and he's coming back. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to, to, to him breaking my balls again because he's pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, well, I know he's going to break my balls for sure. Uh, yeah, that dude, I mean, he went to Isle Man, rode to Ukraine. I just assumed that he was riding to Katmandu at this point because I haven't seen or heard it nothing. It would not really. surprise me. If he shows up there it on his own motorcycle. Because <laughs> he's been kind of hard to reach, so I know it's because he's out riding somewhere. I mean, he even tells me when he's leaving for somewhere, he's like, well, I'll be out of contact for the next three months. I'm like, the whole world has internet and cell phone service, Doug. He's like, well, I'm... I'm tuning out and tuning in. <laughs> yeah, he's done a he's done a pretty good job of keeping up on the the Facebook on this last trip. But uh, oh man, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so you're going out there ten days early. You and Booty, you're going to meet up. You're going to pre run everything. I think my flight shows up the thirtieth or something. Right. Uh, but man, so yeah, I got. I'm actually going to go to South America. Spend another month down there. I'm going to ride Peru, Bolivia, find a place in Santiago to stash the bike, and then fly back home for Born Free and to spend some time with my family and then send it around the world to Kathmandu. And, uh, I You're living the dream, brother. You're living the dream. And I think that that's the other thing that, you know, I, I talk about a lot with folks when I get the opportunity in person is that, you know, people say to me, well, I, I'd love to do what you do. Well, then why don't you? It's that it's you know making a change and and getting out there and and doing stuff is you know just not that hard. It's about making the choice to do it. So you know taking that leap of faith to go on one of these trips or create your own. Like again, it's just always back to the same thing. There's only one irreplaceable commodity in life, and that's time. And if you don't use it wisely, you know I'd rather have a, a, a empty bank account and a, and a brain full of stories when I'm done with this world. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the documentary, uh, November 18th, MotorcycleSherpa.com. And there's, we'll be able to, like, watch it live on Facebook and comment together live, huh? I've never done one of those watch parties. That might, that's going to have to be the first one. Yeah, it's uncharted territory for me as well, if I'm honest. Um, I've never done, like, the sort of watch party thing or this Facebook live for, for a video release. Um, but, you know, I've got a good team around me. Um, to, to accomplish that, and, and, and Zane's all about kind of getting that organized. So we're just going to put it out there to the world, and I'll be beating that drum um, you know, for the next you know couple of months to really get it out there. We're going to do some some Facebook advertisements about it and kind of try and get the word out to get as many people to see this message as possible. Um, it's a pre-COVID message, but I think it's as relevant today as it was then, or even more maybe because you know, kind of the final words in it, you know, I, I say that I've, you know, always loathed the term bucket list and, you know, it, it's about living now. And I think that that is as relevant as ever um, in a post COVID world. Well, I think a lot of people realize that <clears throat> early on in COVID when they were like, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, like we're, you know, when there's some invisible thing floating around that might kill you on the way to the grocery store, you start, you know, rethinking what you're doing today. You know, not what you want to do in a month from now because there's some, you know, you never know when your last day is. So I think a lot of people have decided to live here now and 
and try not to procrastinate on things that they want to get done. And, you know, it sounds like you've tapped into, you tapped into that message pre-COVID. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of ironic, really, when, when, when I rewatched this documentary to, to see, you know, where my head was then, and it's even more so there in, in, in a post-COVID environment. Like, you know, we don't know where this world is headed. And, you know, another one of the key lines in that, in that movie is that you know, I kind of say, that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> did Bound you happen? I made it through an hour and eight minutes of talking. Did you and, did um, you change anything up for the movie since you since you finished it originally? Surely you went back um, and had some tweaks, right? Yeah, we polished it uh, a little bit, and I think we're working on adding a little outro. Um, you know, to to kind of f- fix that up and and add a little more pizzazz to the end of it. Uh, but I do want to keep it as true to the original form in the pre-COVID world, um, you know, to kind of, I think the message is, is just really on point. And I was really passionate about that message prior to COVID, but even more so, um, you know, afterwards that this idea that, you know, it's a one lap race, how, you know, you, you've, you've got to get out there and live and, you know, you wake up one day all of a sudden and you're in your middle fifties and you, and you haven't done all the things you thought about. And then, you know, it kind of makes me think of my father and my grandfather and the way that they lived their lives. And they both worked for 41 years for the same company. Um, you know, uh, Pratt and Whitney making aircraft parts, um, you know, machinist by trade, uh, made good money, raised, raised his family. Well, my dad is a, is a amazing man. I wouldn't be the guy I am without him. Um, but you know, the, the kind of the model was, you know, you work for your retirement, you work real hard, you save money, you get on this pension plan this company's giving you and then when you retire you go do all the things you always dreamed about well my grandfather had a heart attack retired at 65 had a heart attack at 66 um recovered from that and then he always wanted a farm um got a farm got some horses got kicked by a baby colt broke his femur and was never right again afterwards and didn't really get to live all the things he worked his whole life for um, and then my dad, much the same, he, you know, he, re- he retired in the same year he had a heart attack and, you know, now he can't, he's, he's made it through it and is taking good care of his health and then quit smoking and drinking and so on. But like he, uh, you know, he's not having the same plan that things that he talked about his whole life, because if we wait till we're 65 or 70 to stop working, um, then, you know, you can't really do the things that you've dreamed of your whole life. So that's where I believe in like lifestyle design and, you know, essentially mini retirements, you know, I'll work really hard eight months a year or 10 months a year. Um, you know, long hours, sometimes, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, um, seven days a week even. Uh, but then when it's time to go through something cool, you know, I make sure that I I take that time because I know that now while I'm fit and physically able is the time to go, you know, roost in the mountains. And I might be, be different when I'm 65 or 70 to try and do that stuff. I still want to be active, but I just think that the, the North American, you know, lifestyle and dream is always to work real hard and retire, uh, to end up not doing a list of things you always planned on. That's kind of the way I see it. So that's why I'm all about this sort of live now idea. No, I think it's beautiful. And you're providing an opportunity for people to really effectively and efficiently spend time, uh, doing that, uh, with, I mean, yeah, like we've talked about. It's, it's a very effective way to go over there and travel and see the world. 
and having you guys, you know, pilot that mission. I don't think anybody should sleep on it. They should get their shit together and get a group of friends and go ride motorcycle Sherpa trip through the Himalayas as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're ready for them. The website's stocked with uh, with seats for the trips. Um, we got a full calendar for 2023. Um, right before COVID, I did a recon mission in Mongolia. Um, so Mongolia is, is also uh, an option. And uh, we're doing uh, the highest roads in India as well. So um, Nepal is by far my favorite. I think it's the you know kind of the best bang for buck in terms of the cultural experience and the vistas. Yeah. I mean, you're riding the Alberta circuit and, you know, we've got that Everest flight that kind of gives you a, a front row seat of, uh, of seeing Everest up close and personal from a plane. I think all that stuff uh, really, you know, puts huge value um, in the Nepal trip. The other ones are absolutely awesome as well, but uh, I have a real soft part, part, spot for um, Nepal and the Nepalese people, especially. Um, so I'm going to keep doing, doing Nepal, but we are also, um, doing some trips out of Booty's hometown in Manali, as well as, um, like I said, we got some July, 2023 trips for, um, for Mongolia. And, um, I've got some great video footage of that, um, from our, from our trip in, 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 uh, summer 19, right before this all kicked off. Wow. Well, sweet. Well, Bear, I'm gonna let you get back to it. Thanks for taking time out of your day to talk motorcycle travel with me. And, uh, man, I look forward to spending two weeks with you on the other side of this planet. I love you, brother. Um, thank you again. I uh, want to really publicly thank you for all of your support through COVID. Um, it was a real tough road to hoe for Motorcycle Sherpa. And, um, you know, just kind of took the wind out of our sails when we had had so much momentum. And just hearing you sing the gospel of it all through those two years of COVID, uh, I'm forever in your debt, brother. Really really impressive and thankful well thank you for like hooking one of my listeners up with this fucking lifetime experience like casey is gonna be so fucking stoked dude like he already is stoked you know and uh, and and being able to see his enjoyment and excitement you know firsthand in person i'm i'm really looking forward to and i can't thank you enough for you know making that possible well deserved my man well deserved so uh won't be long. We're on, we're about 60 days out now. I'll be seeing you real soon. All right, Bear. You have a wonderful day. All right. Cheers, brother. Bye. Did you hear me slanging around all the, the dudes, dudes, dudes? I fucking, I found this guy on the gram, and he is fucking hilarious. And I don't know if, if you know this, if you're real close, you've noticed I've gotten into cooking a little bit. You know, like I, I've always enjoyed cooking, but I've kind of like, you know, been sucked in a little hell. I made fucking hamburger buns from scratch not long ago. I made hoagie buns the other day. Uh, but what was I getting at? Oh, I found this dude on the gram named Stale Cracker, and he fucking cracks me up, dude. This Cajun ass motherfucker from Louisiana cooking up fucking uh, everything from frogs to turtles to crabs to gators. He did rabbits the other day. He's got videos of him, like, fucking grabbing shit out of the water, setting crab traps, catfish traps. I mean, the dude cracks me up, but he's always going, dude, dude. And I feel it like, it's like, I'm doing it too. Fuck, man. Uh, Anyways, 
Bear, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk shop with me and, uh, you know, cue us in. I'm so looking forward to going back to Nepal, spending two weeks with these new faces uh, on the other side of the fucking planet, man. Seeing booty again. It's going to be awesome. It really is. And I'm stoked that I get to share the experience with one of my listeners, Casey Hyatt. And uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, being able to hook somebody else with a fucking motorcycle Sherpa trip. So go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. You know how it works. The more every week, every month you donate, your name gets put in the hat. So thank you, Bear. Go to MCShopTees.com. Sign up now for your T-shirt of the month so you do not miss another T-shirt. Next month's shirt's going to be fucking badass. I don't know if you follow Daniel Sheridan, but he does some wicked shit, and he's already done some wicked shit for the Easy Company. So uh, I know this shirt's going to be killer. Dude, and I got some badass shops in the works. I got a shop from uh, Central America. Yeah, I do. I've been working on that one for a minute. The artist I'm actually using is from Argentina, where the shop owner is actually from. But, uh, yeah, man, you do not want to miss out on the upcoming months. MC Shop Tees. And if you got, like, you know, a dad or somebody else, you can you can change sizes each month. Like, say you're fucking, all right, I'm filled up. You can, like, get, just change this. So you can just go online and change your account size with, whether it's a kid size or maybe you want to get some shirts for your girl or maybe you got a girlfriend. Maybe you didn't have a girlfriend. You were signed up and you're like, damn, I got a girl, but she's like doesn't have any sweet motorcycle shirts. I'll just fucking change my subscription to or fuck get her one, too. And you guys could be twinsies rolling around in the same sweet ass motorcycle shirts. Or maybe your kid's getting beat up at school, dude. There is no better way to keep your kid from getting beat up at school than to wear MC shop tees, dude. He'll be so fucking badass looking. Ain't nobody going to fuck with him, right? God. If your kid's getting beat up at school, you need to get beat up. Okay? You need to do something about that. Uh, damn, I'm fucking fixing to go on a dad rant. All right. Uh, dude, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody who's contributed through Patreon. It's awesome. I wish you would have won a trip to Nepal, but you still you possibly could in the future. I want to thank all the MC Shop T subscribers, and I want to thank everybody that came to the Southern Throwdown, everybody that went to Virginia City Roundup, and everybody that I'm going to see at Born Free. Unfortunately, I will not be at Party at the Pen. I fucking hate it. Uh, it's going to be the fucking the newest, coolest show of its kind this year. And uh, Luke... You know, I've talked to Luke. He's doing a lot of rad things, putting a lot of effort into making this show awesome. So, anyhow, have a wonderful. Oh, dude, and the fucking Nomad Run went off without a. Dude, okay, I, I don't know if it went off without a hitch. Probably worth some hitches. But, dude, there's a bunch of fucking bikes. It looks like those guys had a great time over in the UK. Uh, I hope that if you're listening and you're on that run, that maybe you got one of the t shirts I sent over there. Uh, I w it was it was cool that he even hit me up and I was able to fucking hook you guys up. I don't know how he gave them out. Maybe he didn't. Hopefully he didn't give them out to any of you fucking losers. But hopefully there wasn't any losers. Hopefully everybody fucking won, right? Because you all had fun, huh? That's how this works. Nah, it doesn't. I want to know who won that fucking thing. Was there was there a competition? Maybe I need to hit him up. Maybe I should do. A f if I'm doing phone podcasts, I might as well do one with Rise Rise Morton, Rye Rehis Morhitin. 
All right, I'll make that happen. Maybe I'll do one with him while I'm in Colombia. Or, I'm, fuck, I'm not going to Colombia. While I'm in Peru. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be good. All right. Have a wonderful motherfucking day. Yeah.